Hey Northridge, welcome to weekend two of our Unforgettable Summer Series. This weekend, we have the privilege of hearing teaching from someone who's really not a guest anymore. This is his third summer, his third time as a part of Unforgettable, and we're excited to have him back. He's the senior pastor, actually the founding pastor of Cross Point Church in Nashville. They now are one church in seven locations all around the Nashville area and running nearly 7,000 people each weekend. And I'm really excited about the impact that his ministry is having, not just at Crosspoint, but also through the books that he's written. In May, he released his newest book, What Keeps You Up at Night. And we're just really privileged to have him back at Northridge. If you're a guest, welcome. Hope you'll be a part of this whole summer series. But right now, would you just give a real Northridge welcome to Pete Wilson? Hey, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's good to see y'all. I hope you're having a great summer and I always love being here. I love this church. I love your pastor. I love what God's doing through you. I love hearing the stories of just the kingdom impact that you guys are having and honored to uh, be here today, honored to be a part of this summer series, Unforgettable. I was watching the, um, just the video footage of I think, I don't know for sure, but I think that was Cedar Point that's uh, in all that footage. And it's funny for me because I grew up uh, going to Cedar Point every summer. And uh, it's, it's my favorite amusement park anyway. I think it would be the perfect amusement park if it wasn't in the state of Ohio. Um, but uh, <laughs> Ohio jokes always work so well here. I can't use them anywhere else, but they work really well here. Um, and But... I, I always tease about Ohio because my, my, both my parents are from Toledo and my grandparents, aunts, uncles were all from Toledo and um, so that's why I went to Cedar Point a lot growing up. But some, one of my favorite memories of Cedar Point was my grandfather. He passed away a couple years ago. This is my dad's dad. And he was, a, he was a thrill seeker. I mean, up into his 80s, he rode all the rides with us at Cedar Point. And so, and he always had to sit in the front row. And he always had, you ha- if you rode next to Grandpa Wilson, you had to have your hands up the whole ride. Like from the beginning to the very end, it was always hands up. And so, um, I think it was two years ago when I was actually here at Northridge. And uh, I brought my family with me, and I took them to Cedar Point. Because, you know, my kids growing up in, in Nashville, Tennessee, they've only been to Cedar Point once. And so, this is, you know, and I was telling them all these stories about Grandpa Wilson. And so, uh, my oldest son, he was the only one big enough to ride. There's a roller coaster there called the Gemini. It's one of the older ones, but it, it, it was always my grandpa's favorite. And so, we got in the front seat, and I was like... Son, you, you have to, you have to keep your hands up the entire way. And so he did, but just watching him, I mean, he was struggling to keep those hands up. And we got to the very end, and I was like, what'd you think, buddy? Wasn't that awesome? He was like, no, I hated that. And I was like, well, why did you hate it? He said, dad, like with your hands up, you just feel so out of control. And I thought that was really interesting because the reality was you're totally out of control whether you have your hands up or not. It has nothing to do with whether that, but you know, control is kind of one of those illusions that we all live with. Um, And there's moments, and you've had these moments in your life where you do feel like it's kind of one of those hands up moments and you have absolutely no control. And that's often when we experience fear in our lives. You experience that emotion of fear whenever you sense or you feel 
that you're out of control. And so I want to talk to you guys just a little bit today about fear. Uh, Brad mentioned uh, this book, What Keeps You Up at Night. I've spent the past couple years working on this book and working on this topic of fear. And it's been a very interesting one for me because, I, and I don't know if you realize this or not, but um, God says in, in His Word, more than any other command, the most common command throughout all of Scripture is just two simple words. It's fear not. Fear not. It's very interesting to me that, like, of all the different things that God could repeat to mankind over and over and over throughout His Word, fear not was the one command that He repeats more than anything else. It's what He says to mankind more than anything. It's very similar with Jesus. In fact, Jesus says the phrase, do not be afraid, more than anything else. He said it 15 times in the four Gospels. He was constantly saying, don't be afraid, right? Don't be afraid. And so I, we kind of talk about, you know, unforgettable. I want to talk to you a little bit about this idea of fear. And why is it that God encourages us to fear not more than anything else? And what's really interesting about Scripture is that the focus throughout Scripture is not so much on how can I fear less. The focus in Scripture is how can I trust God more? Because the reality is, for most of you, you don't really have a fear problem. You don't really have a worry problem. You don't really have an anxiety problem. What most of us have is a faith problem. Now, I'm going to take you to a story. This is found in the New Testament. It's the book of Matthew. It's chapter 14. If you kind of been around church for a long time, you've probably heard this story before. But I want you to kind of listen to it with, you know, just fresh ears. It's Matthew 14. Quick, quick um, background of what's going on. The most famous part of Matthew 14 is the, the real crux of the story that we're going to look at is when one of Jesus' disciples, a guy by the name of Peter, actually walks on water. I think that's pretty unforgettable. Um, but the history of kind of what's happening up to this moment in Matthew 14 is that uh, Jesus is at a really unique time in his ministry. Uh, he has a tremendous amount of momentum in his ministry. Everywhere he speaks... There are thousands of people that are showing up. In fact, what's exactly happening in this is he's speaking to a group of about 5,000 people. They get hungry. He multiplies um, a couple pieces of fish and a couple, peoples of a couple pieces of bread, and he feeds 5,000 people. And everybody's kind of going crazy, all right, uh, over Jesus in, in this moment. And they want to make him king. But he keeps kind of telling them, I, I'm not that kind of king. Uh, but they're thinking, my goodness, you know, if, if this man can feed 5,000 people with a couple pieces of fish and, and, and a couple pieces of bread, imagine what he could do for an army. Imagine what he could do for a whole kingdom. So they want to make him king. And his disciples, from what we can tell, kind of think that would be a good idea as well. And so Jesus is kind of encouraging his disciples and he's saying, listen, give up on your ideas of power and your ideas of authority. And he's saying, I need you to trust me. And he says, we're going to leave. We're going to, I know that we've got a lot of momentum right now and everybody's kind of on our side, but I need you to trust me. And he says, I want you to get into a boat. And, and them getting into this boat is, is an act of obedience, is an act of trust. And so they do get into this boat. And that's kind of where we pick up this story in um, Matthew chapter 14, I'm going to start in verse 22, okay? And we're just going to kind of work our way through the story. And what I want to do is I'm going to give you six things. If you're a note taker, you might want to jot these down. This is six things that every water walker needs to know, all right? And I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you today to become a water walker, 
All right? It'll be unforgettable. Trust me. All right? So Matthew 14, verse 22, it says this. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, when he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, let me stop right there. I'm going to give you the first thing every water walker needs to know, and it's this. Anything that God leads you to do will initially involve some level of fear. Right? Anything God kind of prompts you to do in your life, initially, it's going to involve some kind of level of fear. And what the disciples are about to learn in this moment, it's very important. It's something we all have to learn as followers of Christ. And that is just because you're obedient to God does not mean that you're going to be spared adversity. Doesn't mean that you're going to be spared struggles. Doesn't mean that you're going to be spared storms in life. One of the first things that kind of jumps out at me in this story is, is who sends the disciples into the storm? It's Jesus, right? Jesus is the one who tells them to get into the boat. They get into the boat as, as, as an act of obedience, as an act of trust. And, and then hours later, they find themselves in the middle of the storm. And so then you start to ask, well, why would Jesus do that? Why would Jesus send them into the storm? And honestly, we don't know. This part of the story doesn't, never kind of explains why Jesus sends them into the storm. What I do know is while they're in the storm, they have Jesus' undivided attention. It's interesting. This is kind of something I've noticed in my own life. Maybe this is true of you. I would like to say that I'm always focused on God. I'm always focused on, you know, how dependent I am on God. The reality is, though, that sometimes I just kind of get distracted in life. The reality is that there's seasons in my life, there's moments in my life where I don't even think about the reality that if, you know, God doesn't breathe out, I don't breathe in. I, I, I forget about the reality of how dependent I am on Him. And I kind of go on my own ways. But when I'm in the midst of a storm, if there's crisis in my life, if there's trouble in my life, financially, relationally, vocationally, guess who gets my undivided attention? He does, right? And so in this moment, maybe there's something that the disciples need to learn about him, but what we have to understand is that, again, just because you're obedient to God doesn't mean that you're not going to face adversity. Verse 25, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. And here's one of those times that Jesus is going to say to them, he says, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Here's the second thing you need to know if you're going to be a water walker. And it says, the greatest purpose of your life cannot be discovered while you're hiding. Now, um, I don't know most of your stories. I don't know most of your backgrounds. I don't know what kind of your fears are, what brings you anxiety, what brings you worry. What I do know, though, is that almost everybody has a hiding place. Almost everybody has this place that they want to run to when they're afraid or they experience anxiety or some kind of worry. Everybody kind of has a boat, right? And the boat is safe and the boat is secure. And on the other hand, the water is rough and the wind is high and the waves are crashing in and there's a storm out there. And if you get out of the boat, whatever your boat might happen to be, there's a good chance you might sink. But if you don't get out of the boat, 
You're guaranteed that you'll never walk on water. And if you want to walk on water, as my friend John Ortberg says, you have to get out of the boat. So let me ask you a really important question, okay? And you might not be able to answer this uh, right now, today, in this moment, but maybe you go back later this week and think about this. I'm wondering what, what your boat is. What is your boat? What is it uh, or where is it that you go that you try to find safety and security apart from God himself? Maybe for some of you, your boat is money. Maybe for some of you, it's a particular um, relationship. Maybe it's a geographical location and you're like, you know, hey, God, I'm, I'm all in. Whatever you want me to do, I trust you. I have all the faith in the world. It just has to happen within this particular geographical location. I do whatever it is that you call me to do as long as it's right here, you know, near my family and near where I'm from. And I, I don't know what your boat is. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a job title. But where is it that you find your safety and your security apart Right from God himself. Here's what I know about hiding. When you're hiding, you might be surviving, but when you're hiding, you're never thriving. Um, one of the, I think, most interesting stories in the Bible is actually found in the Old Testament. And um, God's people, the people of Israel, had been in slavery for 400 years. And God gives them freedom. And... The, the pattern that we see in their life once they're into the middle of freedom is very interesting. You think they would be full of joy and excitement and trust and faith in this God that's delivered them from 400 years of slavery. But the pattern in their life really is just complaining. They complain and they're bitter and, 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 and nothing is exactly the way they want it to be. They couldn't stand being out of the boat. They couldn't stand being out in the middle of the waves and having to trust God from moment to moment to moment. And you know what they do? They cry to go back. They say, we can't, we, we can't stand this, God. Like, we, 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 don't, we don't know where to go directionally. Uh, we don't know uh, if we're going to have food and water. And, 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 and we're scared to death. We'd rather go back and be slaves in Egypt then I have to be out here, out of the boat, trusting you from moment to moment to moment. And they want to go back. You know why some of you are stuck in your past? You want to know why some of you continue to just live lives of mediocrity? It's because you choose it. And it may sound kind of like a little bit harsh, but you have consciously or maybe subconsciously made a choice that you rather stay in the predictable patterns of your past no matter how painful those patterns might be, than to take a risk and venture into the unknown where you might have to risk failure. You don't want to have to live moment for moment trusting God. And what the Israelites taught us in the Old Testament is that there's a difference between being set free and actually living free. And some of you have been set free You've put your faith and your trust in Jesus. You've been set free from uh, the, the penalty of sin. You, you've been set free, but you really don't know what it means to live free. You really don't know what it means to trust Him. You've trusted Jesus for your eternity, but ironically, you can't trust Him with your everyday life. And so, have you been set free, but you're not possibly living free? 
Let's get back to the story, verse 29. So Jesus says, come, come, he said. Then Peter gets down out of the boat, and he walks on water, and he came towards Jesus. Here's the third thing we have to know. To truly follow Jesus, you have to renounce comfort as the ultimate value of your life. All right, so... We're talking about risk here, right? We're talking about trust. We're talking about faith. And so an important question, I think, for all of us is why risk? Why step out in faith in life? Why not just kind of cruise along in mediocrity? Why risk? There's a lot of reasons to risk. Risk is, is uh, what leads to growth in our life. Uh, risk is how, you know, our true faith begins to develop. Uh, risk and trust and, and faith is how you begin to discover the calling that God has on your life. But I believe, while there are many good reasons to get out of the boat, I think there's one major reason that trumps them all. And I think it's because the water is where Jesus is. Sometimes the water looks daunting and it looks dangerous, but the main reason that Peter gets out of the boat in this story is because the water is where Jesus is. And so when Jesus says to Peter, come, he realizes in that moment what he wants more than anything else in life is Jesus. And so he goes. Verse 39, it says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Here's the fourth thing you need to know if you're going to be a water walker. And that is that fear will never go away. Fear will never go away. Um... There's a real popular, it's not as popular as it used to be, a Christian bumper sticker, and then it got turned into like a t-shirt and everything, and it was just this phrase, it said, no Jesus, no fear. Um, I got an image of, of it for you. I, I don't know if that uh, ever kind of made it up north or not, but down in the south, we love religious cliches like this. And so uh, this was kind of like everywhere. And like some of you might have the T-shirt. I, I hope you don't have it on you know, right now. Uh, it's okay if you own the T-shirt. You should throw it away, though, because it's, this is theologically incorrect, really. Uh, th this idea, though, it sounds great, right, that if you know Jesus, you will have no fear. Uh, it's a funny story. This is uh, several years ago. A buddy of mine taught me to go skydiving, uh, which honestly, it's never a good idea, uh, really, at all. And so, but I was like, okay, let's do this. And so I thought this would be, you know, really, again, an unforgettable kind of thing, and it was. And so uh, we, we go up in this plane, and this plane is like, I mean, this, I've never seen a plane that is a bigger piece of junk than this plane. You know, you've heard that phrase, why would anyone jump out of a perfectly good airplane? This was not a perfectly good airplane, okay? Not, not even close. And, you know, the deal is, if you've ever gone before, that, uh, you know, you, you, at least as a beginner, uh, you go tandem. And so, you know, you're connected to a, another person. And so, uh, it's so funny. Like, I still remember this, uh, you know, the, the, the guy's behind me, right? He's sitting on the edge of the plane, which means I'm actually outside of the plane, right, while I'm tied to him. And I, I, I never jumped out of the plane. I wouldn't have jumped out of the plane. He jumped out of the plane. I just happened to be connected to him when he, when he jumped out of the plane, right? Um, but I'm sitting there, and um, I, that, the plane I was telling you about, it's a piece of junk. It had bumper stickers all over the inside of this. I don't know if they were actually holding the plane together, or but I'm not sure. But there's all these bumper stickers out there, and I'll never forget this. We are seconds away from just falling out of this plane. And I look over to my left, and that bumper sticker, uh, no Jesus, no fear, is right there. 
And I'm thinking, well, I, 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 I think I know Jesus, but I have a tremendous amount of fear right now. And so now not only am I scared to jump out of the plane, I don't even know if I'm a Christian anymore. And, and this is not a good time to be doubting, you know, your salvation. And so, um, you know, it's just crazy. But this idea of, of no Jesus, no fear, I mean, it, it sounds wonderful, but it, that's, it, it's, it's not true. Here's the deep truth when it comes to water walking. The fear will never go away. Now, why is that? Well, because each time that I want to grow, it's going to involve moving into new territory. It's going to involve taking on new challenges. And each time I do that, each time I, I move into new territory or I take on new challenges, I'm going to experience fear. Fear and growth are a package deal. The only way I know to go through life and not experience fear is to just kind of give into a life of mediocrity and never take on new challenges, never try new things, never trust God in new ways. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I kind of just hit this wall spiritually. And um, pastors, you know, are no different than anybody else. You know, we, we have a lot of the same seasons and go through the same things everybody else does. And I was in this particular season where, I mean, there's nothing wrong. I just spiritually, I, did, I didn't feel like I, I was growing a whole lot. I don't know if you guys have ever kind of wrestled with that where you're just kind of like, I don't know. I just, it just feels very mediocre right now. And I was kind of in that season and as I prayed about it, the thing I, I kind of sensed God saying to me over and over, and I never have heard like God's audible voice before, but I just sensed he was impressing this on my life. Uh, Pete, I need you to give up y- your desire for clarity. And I tend to be kind of one of these guys, like I, I, I want to, you know, I, I'm willing to, to take a step and trust God. I just want to be guaranteed how it's all going to work out. Right? I, I want to know this is how it's going to end. Like, if you do this, this is going to happen. And I kind of just sense God saying, Pete, I need you to give up your desire for clarity in everything. You, know, you're, you always want to know how everything is going to kind of work out. Uh, I'm driven by information. I'm driven by knowledge, by knowing. I want unbeatable odds. It's probably like a, lo- a lot of you guys. And I think at somewhere in my life, I kind of fell into this trap. And I kind of thought, that the more spiritually mature you became, the more clarity you would have, right? Like the longer you walk with God and the more you know him, the more spiritually mature you become, the more clarity you should have in life. The more you should just know, you know, what to do in this situation and what to do in that situation. But, but I think the reality is the more spiritually mature you become, the less clarity you need, right? Because You've just walked with God long enough that you know that he's faithful and you trust him. And you begin to understand that, listen, a decision to grow almost always involves a choice between risk and comfort. And that means if you're going to be a follower of Christ, if you're going to be a growing follower of Christ, you have to renounce comfort as the number one value of your life. All right, let's look at verse 31. It says, immediately... Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Here's the fifth thing you need to know if you're going to be a water walker. And it's there are things that are worse than failure. Um, For a long time, um, whenever I would speak on this particular passage in Matthew 14, um, my focus was always on Peter failing. 
It was on him sinking. And, and most of the time when we hear this passage taught, that's kind of the focus of it. And to be honest with you, I think I got it wrong. I really do. Um, did, did Peter fail? Uh, yeah, I mean, he, I suppose he did. His faith wasn't strong enough. His doubts were stronger. He saw the wind. He took his eyes off Jesus. And he sank. He failed. And for me, that was always the point. The point of this whole passage was telling people, don't take your eyes off Jesus. If you take your eyes off Jesus, you're going to fail and you're going to sink. But here's what I think. While Peter technically did fail, I think there were 11 other bigger failures in the boat that night. And I think they failed quietly and I think that, you know, their failure went unnoticed and unobserved. Only Peter knew the shame of public failure. But I think the greater understanding here is failure does not shape you. The way you respond to failure shapes you. And the other 11, they knew the cost of getting out of the boat. They had calculated that. It's exactly what some of you are doing in your life right now. You know, God's calling you to trust him, to take a step of faith. And you've calculated all the cost of getting out of the boat. The other 11 had done that. They, they were very familiar. They had thought through, oh my gosh, if we get out of the boat, if we try to walk on water, we might fail. We might sink. We might die. We might be embarrassed. We might be f- full of shame because we tried something and it didn't work. They were very much aware of the cost of getting out of the boat. But you know, there was another cost. There was another price that they never calculated. And that was the cost of staying in the boat. It's funny. um, Peter got to experience at least two things that they would never experience. The first thing was Peter knew the thrill of walking on the water. Right? I mean, for, for a few moments, my man was walking on the water. Can you imagine how unforgettable that was? Can you imagine that kind of thrill? You ever had a moment in your life Were you tempted to do something that you knew you were not capable of doing and then feeling the joy of God empowering you to do what you knew you could not do alone? There's nothing like that, right? There's nothing like trusting God in such a way where you try something, you attempt something that you know, you know you're not capable of doing it on your own and then you thrill, you feel that thrill, you feel that sense of joy of God empowering you to actually do it. I mean, those have been the most amazing, unforgettable moments of my life. Those moments where I just stepped out and I knew I wasn't capable of it. I knew I wasn't gifted enough. I knew I didn't have enough resources for it. And yet I did it anyway. I sensed God calling me, step out of the boat. And I stepped out of the boat. And that joy, there's nothing like it. Once you walk on water, you'll never forget it. And you know what else Peter experienced that they never experienced? Peter knew the glory of being lifted up by Jesus in a moment of need. I think Peter shared a sense of intimacy with Jesus that maybe the others did not. Because Peter, from this moment forward, he never had the doubt. He never had the doubt that if he was in trouble, Jesus would be there. That if he needed help, Jesus would be there. That if he cried out, Jesus would be there. You see, the worst failure is not sinking in the waves. The worst failure is to never get out of the boat. All right, here's the last part of this story. Verse 32 says, And when they climbed into the boat, 
the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Here's the sixth thing you got to know. Last thing. If you want to become a water walker, God doesn't promise us that there won't be storms. He just promises us that he will be with us in the midst of the storms. I think this is really, really important. Listen, the promise is not that you won't fear. Right? God never promises us that we're going to go through this life and we're not going to experience fear. He just promises us that he will be with us in the midst of that fear. He didn't promise you that there won't be troubles. He didn't promise you that there won't be challenges. He doesn't promise you that there's not going to be storms that come up from time to time. He just promises us that he will be with us in the midst of all of that. And so I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but maybe God's calling you to trust him. Maybe God's calling you to get out of the boat. Maybe for some of you, it's a spiritual thing. And maybe you've been around Northridge for a while and you've been learning more about Jesus and you've been learning more about scriptures, but for some reason, you just have not been able to get to that place to fully put your faith and trust in Jesus. And and maybe, you know, you still have some questions and you still have some doubts and you're like, well, uh, until I get all of this stuff figured out, until I get all of my questions answered, I, I'm, I, I just, I, I, can't, I, I, can't, I can't do it. I, I can't put my faith and trust in him. And maybe today you just kind of sense God saying, will you just trust me? Will you step out of the boat? Will you put all your faith and trust in my son Jesus and what he did for you on the cross? Maybe for some of you, God's calling you to step out of the boat and it has to do with your finances. And maybe you've already trusted Jesus with your eternity. But when it comes to like your everyday life and your thing, like, you know, your finances, you're just like, I, I don't, I don't, I, I just, I don't know if I can do that. Like that would be like so tough to trust him with my finances. I can trust him with my eternity, but my finances, like that's my money. That's like, you know, I don't know if I can do that. And maybe God's calling you to step out of the boat. Maybe he's just saying, hey, will you trust me? Will you become a generous person? Will you start to tithe? Will you trust me in this area? For some of you, maybe getting out of the boat and trusting him is a relationship thing. Maybe it's a vocational thing. Maybe for some of you, it, it, it's an act like forgiveness. And, and, and God has been calling you to forgive somebody. And you're like, but, but you know, I've got this bitterness. And that's your boat, by the way. Your boat is your bitterness, right? Y- your boat is you want to continue to hold that other person responsible. That's your safety. That's your, your security. In fact, you wouldn't know what to do if you didn't have that grudge. You, you wouldn't even know who you were if you didn't have that thing to hold against that other person. And God said, will you trust me? Will you forgive them? Will you trust that I'm going to take care of this? Will you step out of the boat? Will you let go of that? And you're just kind of struggling with it. You don't know if you can do that. What I know is this. is Sometimes it just takes one simple step of faith. Sometimes one simple step of faith changes everything. For some of you, maybe it's getting baptized. For some of you, maybe it's getting, you know, to be a part of a, of a group here at the church. Maybe for some of you, it's volunteering and becoming, you know, more than just kind of a casual attender. I don't know what it is. I just know one simple step of faith can change everything. And I also know that if you get out of your boat 
whatever your boat might be, you're going to face some problems. Because there's a storm out there. And your faith will not be perfect because you're human. Which means you will fail. At some point you will sink. But there's two other things you've got to know. All right? I'm going to make sure you get this. All right? Because this is you and you're sitting on the edge of the boat right now and you're scared to death to get out of the boat and you're just kind of clinging to the side. And you already know what I just said. You know there's a storm out there and you know that your faith will not be perfect. And you know that you will at some point probably fail. But here's the two things you can never ever forget, okay? When you fail, first of all, Jesus will always be there to pick you up. That's his grace. That's his mercy. And his grace never makes sense. And there are no strings attached. Because once you attach strings to grace, it ceases to be grace. So you need to know when you sink, Jesus will be right there to pick you up. And the second thing that you can never forget is that every once in a while, friends, you're going to walk on water. And God's going to use you to do some unbelievable things. But you've got to trust Him. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for unforgettable moments and the way that you work in our life in so many incredible ways. God, for those that are here today that are struggling because they sense that they're in the middle of some kind of storm, for those that are here today that are on kind of the edge of the boat and, God, they sense that you're calling them to, to, to just trust you. You're calling them to, to take a step of faith in some area of their life. God, I know that that's scary, but I pray right now that you would give them courage. I would pray that you would help their focus to be not so much on fearing less, but on trusting more. And maybe, just maybe, what they need is not more clarity. What they need is just more trust. God, you are a good God who continues to call us out into the water because the water is where you're at and that's where we get to know you in unforgettable, intimate moments. So God, thank you in advance for the promptings. Thank you in advance for the courage. Thank you for the opportunity to get to know you in new and unforgettable ways. For it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Hey guys, before you take off today... A lot of you are familiar with this. There's a connection card. It's just kind of part of the program that you got on your way in. If you'll take just a second, especially if you're a guest, to fill that out. There's a couple different places you can take that. Uh, you'll see that on there. Maybe uh, really what this is, this is kind of a water walking kind of card, right? And so there's all kind of opportunities for you to walk on water, take your next step, whether that's volunteering. Uh, maybe you made a decision to follow Jesus. You can indicate all of that here, and that'll be just a kind of a wonderful way uh, that you can kind of take your next step and just drop that off on your way out. Hope you guys will be uh, back next week as we continue this series, Unforgettable. And I hope you have an amazing summer and an amazing Sunday. We'll see you guys later. Thank you.